0: Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now.
1: Hello everyone, welcome along to the Best Best Ball Show on of biz Radio. My name's Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm delighted to be joined by my co-host here for the series, it is Zach Kruger. You can follow on Twitter at ZK underscore We'll be running through pretty much uh, everything that you need for your best ball season let the listeners know we're going to be running it for basically two shows a week each saturday and monday throughout uh, the next month or two at least we're hoping to hit you with between kind of 14 15 of these shows to get you set up for success on today's show, we are going to be covering Modified Zero RB. We have been teasing it throughout the series. We were wondering if it is a real thing, if it actually exists. And that's what we're going to put to the test today as we talk through it uh, and how it can help you, if it is a real thing, help you win in best ball formats in 2021. So I guess the first thing, Zach, to, to start things off with, is it a real thing? Um People are wondering.
0: Uh, I did pose the question, actually, to Twitter a little bit before we did this show. And someone said it is real, one elite running back in round one, and then you draft about 40 wide receivers. So, uh, Colm, I'm not quite sure if that's the exact definition, but I would say that uh, the people who sometimes question the idea of modified 0RB, I think maybe the question that surrounds it is how can you say not to draft the running back early, not to take a running back in round one, but now you're going to tell me that it's okay to take a running back in round one. And what I think I view modified ZRB is, is basically acknowledging that the ZRB approach is obviously a fine approach, but... There are still certain parameters that it has to fall within. If you didn't get a chance to listen to our Zero RB episode, which we did, I believe it was in episode three, definitely go back and listen to the Zero RB episode where we talk about when we like to go Zero RB because I think when you're drafting in a round, in the first round, if you're not following following in what we consider to be the Zero RB round, this is where maybe you still consider going Zero RB, but you're doing it um, after selecting one of the elite running backs in the first round. Uh, it's almost kind of a requirement depending on where you're picking out of. Obviously we're never going to take Tyreek Hill in the 101 over Christian McCaffrey. That may be when we consider doing a modified 0RB approach as opposed to um, you know, going going 0RB no matter what because we're just trying to stick to our preferred strategy or, <laughs> or make a point. Uh, I think that there's definitely validity in the strategy and it it's honestly a great way to obviously add that elite talent while still sticking to what we consider to be a, a more than solid strategy.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And we've mentioned on a couple of shows is about being able to uh, pivot depending on how the the drafts fall into. You. you know, some people will call it zigging or zagging, or I, I tend to call it pivoting, where maybe it's not exactly the thing you've planned to do, but then the draft falls in a certain way, gives you these opportunities. You look through the road of his tools, it's telling you that this player uh, is the player to take at this point. And, uh, you know, it's all about using the information to make those uh, decisions rather than just going in and saying like i'm drafting no running backs in the first eight rounds i'm zero rb zero rb or nothing that's not the way we do it the way we do it is depending on where you're drafting and what is going to help you win your leagues because that's what it is all about at the end of the day Uh, modified zero rb as you mentioned for me is basically a zero rb approach with running back in that first round and it's not just a running back in the first round like we're not picking a running back at spot 12 it is going to be one of those elite running backs so pretty much i call it modified zero rb some people call it like um you know elite zero rb it just depends on what people <laughs> want to call it but and
0: te- i've heard i've heard anchor running back approach which i think is an interesting way to call it as well
1: yeah, that that's uh, probably another correct enough way to describe it. I think uh, for the brand, we'll both modify zero or B. It's all about branding. But uh, when when we look at who we're taking, like last year as a prime example, a number of leagues that me and Sean participated in together or separately uh, might have drafted you know from the sixth spot through the spot eight, and a lot of the time in those leagues. Dalvin Cook was falling to those spots you might have got Alvin Kamara at spot six depending on how the league was going Um, and in those situations they were two players that we kind of had on our list that if we're getting those players at that point they are I guess if you want to call it the anchor, they are the player that we're going with at that point. And that zero RB can also mean like skipping the person who's at number four because you don't like them. And it can mean pushing Dalvin Cook up to spot four, which we did in one of our high stakes leagues last year. And that was because we felt so strongly about his position and that really worked very very well for us last year now that those things sometimes don't work out uh, i can tell you about david johnson a couple of years ago that definitely didn't work out from the seventh spot uh, in those leagues but the the thought process behind it was still the same and that there's where we're going we're looking at zero by RB, rb so we're looking at one of those top end talents the running back position that gives you that kind of uh, weekly starter and then we're going into our zero RB approach. Now that can be getting a tight end in round two or, t- or a tight end in round three and getting those wide receivers and ideally then we're stacking those wide receivers up or those pass catchers as I like to call it when we tag in those tight ends uh, through those next kind of seven or rounds to, to build a successful roster. So once we decide to draft that running back in round one we go with that zero RB approach. We're carrying basically the zero RB approach on from there that we would have talked about the zero RB episode but uh, then we're, we're filling it in with those other other positions and then we go back to running back a little bit later in the draft. So in terms of the running back position um, we know that we're talking about taking one of them in the first round but you know when we're looking at zero RB we've talked about like kind of waiting to after the seventh or eight round to get that running back what that means for win rate. When we're doing it from a zero RB approach um are we waiting longer uh, to to get that running back position, are we fading it longer? Um, What's your approach there, uh, Zach?
0: Uh, I think that one of the benefits to, obviously, a modified zero RB approach is the fact that you do get that elite running back early, which does possibly give you the option to maybe fade the position as a whole a little bit later on in your draft than you normally would. Obviously, we talked about zero RB being probably not drafting a, a running back until at least round six or seven. Uh, in the previous show, when we had talked about that, we used the filters for um, taking a running back after round seven compared to before round seven. So, so if we take a look at that, um, if we use the Ross Construction Explorer again, uh, we can take a look that and see that running backs in round one um, and running back two after – I'm sorry, running back one in round one and then running back two after round seven, we get an 8.9% win rate, which jumps to an 11.9% win rate if we decide to go with the six running back build. But if we move the running back two to after round eight, The overall win rate jumps a full percent to 9.9% with a 16.5% win rate. Again, if you go with a six running back build, I probably wouldn't be looking to take a running back much later than the eighth round to grab my running back too. But I do think that what we see here is a couple of different things. First of all, we see that you probably can, fade the running back position just a little bit more but then we also see that that anchor running back is or the modified zero rb approach however you decide to define it's kind of showing that even with less running backs at the position the win rates can still be boosted because we know that we have that elite running back in the first round already on our team um, what, what do you think about that column? Are you will you usually have a few um, less running backs on a modified zero RB team, or will you consider waiting a little bit longer to take perhaps your RB two?
1: That's the big thing. Is sometimes when you get into a zero RB build, when you get to round five, six, seven. It can be difficult when you're saying, I have no running backs on the roster. Now, I can guarantee you, the more you draft as a zero running back drafter, the less that uh, kind of feeling pulls you in. But when you're doing those drafts, that can be the difficult part. When you have Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Saquon Barkley, somebody like that who you know, like, well, I have that guy it takes a little bit of that pressure off. So when we're using the tools as well to make those draft decisions, it does make it uh, a little bit easier as well because you can start to see who's going to be there at this spot, particularly in the draft. And like I mentioned on a previous episode, if you're reverse engineer in the draft with who might be there in round 14, who might be there in round 18, you will have your guys, whether it's rookies for this year, whether it's veteran players who are just later in the draft who fall into that zero RB category, which can mean... Or we're looking at them and it is going to be a case where they're second on the depth chart they need an injury to work out to become uh, top of that depth chart we never want a player to get injured but like we touched in the zero rb article injuries happen at the running back position more frequently due to the punishment that goes on the body um, and and that's why this approach then does work so i would tend to uh, be going with them um, similar but i would be much more confident in having that guy overall but i still think needs to lean in towards that uh, zero RB approach but I would be waiting uh, pretty much to uh, probably the eighth or ninth round at that point um, to make that second pick at the the running back position um, just because it's going to give me that little bit more confidence and rather than in the the previous model where we were talking about having to have those eight running backs to be able to have a, a lot of success with this particular one, uh, for a six running back build, if you wait after round eight, it's going to jump that from nine point nine percent to sixteen point five percent. So, you know, you're starting to get into those uh, mid-high to teen win percentages. Um, they're the numbers that you want to be you want to be going with.
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: So, when we look then at uh, you know basically two episodes, we've I think at this point we can clarify that modified zero RB seems to be a thing. I think it is a thing. Um, and even as we record this, there is uh, replies coming in on Twitter. Uh, uh, there's a lot of interest interesting uh, gifs coming in t- <laughs> to go with the, the outcome. But um, in terms of when we look at 0RB and look at modified 0RB, as part of the approach for Um, this series we're trying to make them kind of as evergreen as possible if you're listening to this the week before the season versus you're listening to it you know in May that it's still going to have the same relevant information now this next part might uh, switch that up a little bit depending on ADPs but ADPs will shift um, but depending on injuries these guys will probably still be in similar places at those times so I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about some running backs that we tend to target in that range guys we like and uh, I'll, I'll let you um, have four steps on, on going through some of the guys that you do, like Zach, and, and that particular kind of lit running back range.
0: Sure. So uh, what I went ahead and did, and just prepping for the show notes, I went ahead and I just pulled running backs who are going around the beginning of the seventh round all the way up until the 13th round. Um, so we're, we're looking at roughly the range of 74th overall to 150th overall, which I think gives you a really nice range of some decent players who you might be picking in these rounds, if you did opt to go with a zero running back or even a modified zero running back approach, uh, without reading off all the names, just at the top of the list here, you got guys like Melvin Gordon, Raheem Mostert, Leonard Fournette, Michael Carter, and Trey Sermon as some of the first players going in the seventh, eighth, even the ninth round range. Um, and then towards the back end of that, close to pick 150, you got guys like Alexander Madison, Kenny Gainwell, and J.D. McKissick. So it's a good range of players. Uh, One guy who I've been kind of chasing a little bit all offseason is Leonard Fournette, mainly because of the way that we watched him dominate in the the postseason this past year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Obviously, they went on to win the Super Bowl with him, and Super Bowl Lenny, as I think he now goes by, had uh, one of the highest scoring, actually not one of, but he had the highest scoring PPR season for a fantasy running back. Uh, in postseason history since 2000. Now, you may be wondering how I know that. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I can tell you that if you go over to the Rotovis screener, you can actually search the weeks uh, during the playoffs. So if you just search over uh, the last several years dating back to 2000, you can look and see over the course of the playoff season who has scored the most PPR points, and you will find Leonard Fournette at number one. Obviously, his start to 2020 was not a great one, but we did see him use down the stretch. He's resigning with the Buccaneers. I think that he's going to be a very viable player who at the worst is maybe going to be a committee member with Ronald Jones and possibly even sprinkling in some Gio Bernard there. But I do think that Leonard Fournette proved himself more than capable of handling the workload for the Buccaneers if that's a route they choose to go. I think he has a lot of upside should an injury occur to a player and that he still has some standalone value even if something you know even if all the running backs in the Tampa Bay backfield stay healthy. So he's a guy I'm targeting and I hope I'm not too overexposed to him by the time the the dust is settled on the draft season. How about yourself? Yeah
1: that one is one that like you know we talk about what the metrics are telling us that Leonard Fournette that's one that's going to hurt my heart because obviously we have Ronald Jones there as well but I, I have to agree with what you mentioned down the stretch and throughout the playoff run how things worked out there there's a lot of running backs that'll go in these ranges where you'll see the likes of Leonard Fournette Ronald Jones not a huge amount between them a couple of rounds between them and um, we'll see you guys then um and that like there's three san francisco running backs going in that range we have trey sermon we have uh, raheem mostert and jeffrey wilson all going kind of off the board in those areas so we start to see guys you know, in those bunched up backfields, who comes out on top, and who ends up being uh, the guy that gets the most work, or do we end up with a, an entire season where they're they're all splitting the carries? Um, so it's always interesting to see how those backfields do shake out. The guy that I really like in this range, uh, just recently drafted, and that's Michael Carter. I think there's a a road there for him to get a lot of work this year on the jets um you know he's going at 91 overall basically in terms of draft position and i think it's a really interesting spot um, for him there a couple of other guys that are interesting in there that i think uh, could have big big seasons uh, tony pollard's always been somebody who we've looked at from a zero rb perspective obviously we don't want anything to happen to ezekiel elliott but Pollard has shown that he has standalone value at times. He has shown that he can make explosive plays at the NFL level. And I think whether, still, let's say, hopefully something works out for him in Dallas this year. But I think that if he gets out of Dallas after his rookie contract, I think he's somebody who could be a really, really explosive uh, playmaker. So I I really like Pollard there as well. And I'd be remiss to to mention, if uh, if we didn't say some of uh, my favorite pass cats and running backs uh, over the last couple of years and then over last year Naheem Hines is somebody I've always liked um, I'll probably uh, keep continuing to have uh, shots at him this year uh, and JD McKissick had a, a very strong PPR season last year and um, still think that there's going to be uh, value in him at such a late spot in those drafts there will be those spike weeks so um, that that's going to be interesting if you're looking at just zero RB candidates I mentioned how much we like Dalvin Cook last year again zero RB this is where the misunderstanding is we're not hoping for injuries but they do happen Uh, Alexander Madison um, has shown that he can make some big plays as well so another interesting person in that very late range you know going at pick 142 almost uh, in terms of ADP so I find uh, those guys interesting any of those that I mentioned that that you like or is there anyone else on the list that uh, you want to highlight?
0: Uh, so the only other guy who I wanted to mention real quick, and I'm going to also just touch on J.D. McKissick, but uh, is Gus Edwards. Uh, it's, it's no secret that the Ravens have been one of the most run-heavy teams in the league since Lamar Jackson became the starter. Uh you know Mark Ingram is now gone not that he posed much of a threat to begin with and the Ravens did not add any running backs in the draft so right now the backfield looks to be J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards as a two um, you know spearheading that operation in Baltimore obviously Lamar Jackson is going to take his fair share of rushes during the season but Gus Edwards I think is another one of those players who definitely has standalone value uh, in that Baltimore offense and then in the event that something were to go south for J.K. Dobbins, Edwards is going to probably step in and fill that role of 15-plus touches a game in one of the more run-heavier offenses in the league. And then to touch on J.D. McKissick, I had posted actually this is just kind of more for my own comedic enjoyment, but I think it was a funny point to make. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw, but I, uh, Jared Patterson, after the draft, he went undrafted. He's a rookie running back out of Buffalo. He signed with Washington. And I think that Jared Patterson has potentially a path to see meaningful touches, Um, if he he makes a roster for the Washington football team. But I had just posted a tweet that said, if Jarrett Jarrett Patterson makes a Washington football team, his path to touches is less muddy than most. Gibson is obviously in the way. Obviously, that's Antonio Gibson. But who's toting the rock if Gibson goes down? Hint, it's not J.D. McKissick. Uh, That tweet has four favorites. One of them is J.D. McKissick, who favored that tweet. So (laughs) we've... uh We've, we've, we've become good friends over the last 24 hours, but I do like J.D. McKissick. Maybe I should have told him that I think that he can uh, obviously play a, a key role in the pass-catching game but i did think that was pretty funny obviously i do like mckissick at his value going at 150.5 overall uh, i believe he he caught like 80 passes last year or something close to that and i just think that he's certainly a good value and obviously a player we should still be chasing in in ppr formats as a zero rb candidate
1: yeah and he's one of those sort of guys um that you know he doesn't have to be a three down running back um he can just do his pass catching role he's probably not going to get in there like we've seen guys before like you know chris thompson um we've seen Gio bernard get you know runs between the tackles but the main majority of his success has come as a pass catching and running back i mentioned heinz we've seen guys like Tariq cohen you know we see these guys get those opportunities and uh, you know if you're getting 60 or 80 receptions a year that there's those points in ppr formats plus whatever comes after it you know if there's touchdowns in there um, you know and then the yards it's just like uh, those are the guys that i like to be getting in those later rounds and I think it's really going to help uh, boost those lineups. The one thing I will ask before we wrap up in terms of 0RB uh, or modified 0RB, I'll hold my hands up the pretty much all of my lineups will fall into one of these two categories and I know people will say like well basically you're saying you're going to draft no running backs to the seventh or eighth round or you're going to draft a running back and then wait but most people will start their drafts by going you know maybe running back running back or it could be wide receiver running back running back or you know whatever way they're broken up it could be a running back in the fourth round or running back in the fifth round I'm pretty confident in most of the drafts that I'll do over the entire rest of this offseason it will be probably one of those two formats and then the elite tight end format sprinkled in as well some of those Uh, zero RB teams might have an elite tight end in as well because they do cross over at that area um, and those early rounds but for you is that there the the approach that you'll take most of the time where it's going to be either uh, you know tight end wide receiver or running back in round one and then probably you're looking between tight ends and wide receivers for six picks between rounds two and round seven at, at the kind of start of most of your drafts
0: yeah, that's definitely the approach I'm looking to go more often than not, um, mainly because if I feel that if I don't go zero RB or modify zero RB, I may become that Jamal Adams locked out of the Jets facility video where I'm just not about in the Rotovis anymore. But uh, no, I, 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 that's usually the approach where I'm going. I, I am obviously a firm believer in both the zero RB and modified zero RB strategies uh, in the full PPR formats. And again, if we're talking strictly FFPC, the Titan premium, I really think just gives you more ways to kind of win at your later spots in the draft, even if you don't want to go wide receiver. You can go with that elite tight end and and add that upside. Really, for me, I think the cutoff is generally around the 101 to the 106, maybe the 107, where I'll consider taking a running back. And then after that, I'm going to probably go wide receiver tight end and look to do more of the modified zero RB, or zero rb approach depending on what i have there it's it's a preferred strategy in mine and obviously they're always fun to post on twitter afterwards so you can get those interactions <laughs> up and have everybody tell you how smart you look
1: yeah exactly and um, well, you'll either be told how smart you are or how stupid you are it will be, be one of the two um and for me it's usually the latter but in terms of this one this has been modified zero rb we mentioned that we're going to take our way through a, a range of different subjects a range of different topics and Uh, if you haven't listened into the series so far this is episode five head on back listen through the other shows we will be taking uh, more shows your way we're hoping to do probably uh, 14 or 15 of these throughout the the next couple of weeks we're dropping two shows a week it's monday and saturday Uh, they will be available on Rotoviz radio's main podcast feed make sure you subscribe to that to get these and all the other great podcasts that come out on a weekly basis we'll also have a podcast directory page for this season up in uh, rotaviz.com uh, on the website and of course uh, like all the podcasts I do uh, I'll be tweeting them out uh, quite frequently so if you want to check them out uh, head on over to at Overtime Ireland you be able to see them there and as always, I want to finish the show by letting you know as a RotoViz listener, as a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a one-year RotoViz subscription. All you have to do is add the discount code RVRadio2021 at checkout or by going to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for additional information. Of course, you can drop us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. We always appreciate those. So I want to thank my co-host here, Zach Kruger, who you can follow on Twitter at ZK underscore FFB. Of course, my name's Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And until we're back with the next episode in the series, of course, have a good one.